0: This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Reverberations. Produced by Alan Meany. Episode 5. Sarah Clancy.
1: Interested in reading and uh, storybooks and everything when when I was a child, and my mother worked as a children's book buyer as well. When by the time I was around about nine or ten, so we had lots of books and everything to try out at home. But I didn't really start um, really start writing poetry until uh, well into my thirties, really. Um, I had, like, you know, like loads of people, I think I'd written loads of bad adolescent poetry and maybe a bit, a little bit later on, but I think I thought I was writing songs. Now, I'm not mm. musical in any shape or form, but, uh, so nothing ever became of most of them. But, uh, so really, it was like, I'd say around about in my 30s, I went to creative writing class in Galway with um, Kevin Higgins runs the classes there and I had been working, was working very full time at the time and I just wanted to take up something that was not to do with my work. And, you know... Uh, something, I don't know whether I hit the zeitgeist or something, but things started happening very quickly for me then and I had a book out within about a year and a half of that, a small little book, you know, a small and kind of pretty much amateur one. But it really, since then, it really just has kind of grown and become a really big part of my life. I've done three books now and, you know, varying degrees of success, but it still is something that I spend a lot of time on now. Well, I'm from a, a family of chatterboxes anyway. We all have an awful lot to say for ourselves but um, definitely, um, you know, just in terms of, like, anything, even word puzzles, crosswords, travel, anything like that, they, they were, I suppose, we were, the, our whole family, we were very interested in language in lots of ways. Well, I had written, before I went to the class, I wrote um, several poems, and that, that I think, is what persuaded me to go to the class. So I had some of the, I suppose, some of the early poems. The first poem I ever had published was a poem called Hippie Get a Job, um, and it was basically a kind of a, I suppose, a... a a humorous, uh, humorous humorous, uh, angry poem, in a way, a little bit of both, so it was basically a poem that was about the fact that um, any time, I'm often involved in political campaigning in that, and that almost any time you ever go to a protest or anything, you do anything, someone will walk past you and say, get a job, hippie. You're going like, I have an effing job, you know, um, so that was a poem about that, and I think some of them were, you know, some of them were, I, I, I was copying people a good bit, in, in terms of, like I think, like, most writers do. It wasn't until I started to read more widely that I realised you could kind of do what you like with a poem. So I had a lot of kind of pastoral poems. I worked in the country for years when, uh, when I was younger, and I had a lot of poems, I suppose, not quite not as good or anything like that, but in the style of Seamus Heaney, you know, which is kind of, you know, I, 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 like, I suppose, celebrating the countryside and the, the, celebrating the, Assistance of people in rural environments and so on, so I had those kind of things but it wasn't, a, definitely my style is a bit more either, either smart aleck or I think more revealing than that, as in I think there's a, you know, in a lot of Irish poetry there's a kind of a kind of stiff upper lip or a button down, there's kind of a, a little bit of a puritanism about it, whereas I kind of like poems that blow things open a little bit to quote Seamus Heaney actually but uh, you know, just in I, I think a lot of the writers I like are actually not from here, you know, they're people who are very involved in you know, contemporary things and contemporary movements and I find that poetry and on. different, um, it, but it would be about the poem being like I suppose that I feel that the poem is genuine, the, you know what I mean, that, that from me, that it's something that, you know, whether it's satirical or whether it's straightforward or whether it's a kind of heartfelt, that it's something that I genuinely would say, um, and, and so it's just like the, the quickest thing that i discard a poem for is if it feels like I'm being fake, and, and that's, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be me talking about my own particular life but is in it. if I feel that I'm at the wrong angle to the poem or the poem is at the wrong angle to something I think then I don't like those ones um, so they get the delete button I, I wouldn't write every day but I do I do write quite easily but I'm not I'm not you precious about what I write just because I wrote something doesn't necessarily mean it's a masterpiece or you know so it's like I kind of write something and if I like some of them then I keep them and otherwise like I have any amount of poems I have thrown away to the wilds of Facebook and places like that are never to be seen again I think um, and I always think to myself you know if I'm trying to get a book together or something like that I always try to think that I have masterpieces left strewn around the place but they tend to be mediocre enough when I go and get them but uh, you know I think it's like anything I think if you're a writer you should write and you know maybe not have yourself in the way of the writing Is in you know just write and enjoy writing and if something is good then you know, if something is good and you like it afterwards, that's fine. If not, you just went through the motions and it won't have done any harm. You know, I have published some uh, short stories and uh, some flash fiction and essays, so I've I've done a little bit of all of them. And um, I find that, that that with my, I tend to be very busy and I don't like sitting down for long periods of time. I hate it, and so for that reason, I think the that uh, you know the shorter poetic form suits me a little bit better and I would like to write more of of other other, um, types of work though but I think just my my, for me anyway and the kind of I'm a small bit hyperactive so the kind of the way that I work I'd have to have a lot of spare time in order to be able to force myself to sit down for the length of time it takes I tend you know I tend to write things that I can do in one take and then edit them afterwards so and, and that's I think it's a different discipline really to learn you know, to keep ploughing away at the same thing on good days and bad days. And I think that that's something, you know, I'd say I would find difficult enough to learn. watchful and being removed from things are being, you know, mystical and different things like that, but I I don't you know, I don't think, I don't think from the poets that I know most of us are, you know fairly ordinary people some some are extraordinary, but I think at probably the same rate as the general uh, population, but I do think that um, I think that the habit of poetry you know, when you build up the habit of writing poetry and kind of doing poetry and reading poetry, it does it's like, maybe it's like you know if you practice meditation or something it gi- does give you a habit of looking at things in different ways so not necessarily i suppose not necessarily looking for the facts of things but maybe looking for the feeling that things are the the you know maybe a, a you know a slightly different view on things as in i think like i think that's true for a- any art in a way though is in because if you you know people you know people look at things with other ideas of what success constitutes you know like success for me could be a great line that i love whereas you know it's it's not that and it's not going to be the same line as for someone else so in in that way it just helps you keep a little bit of i suppose differentness and maybe an independent mind to a certain extent i think it's changing in a lot of ways and i think the performance poets and you know a, a lot of the spoken word scene has changed that uh, a good bit now i know it's a minority um I know it's a minority uh, pursuit in a way, but at the same time, you see things like uh, on, on the British television channels, you see all of the they're, they're using spoken word poems for ads and things like that. And you know, it might be as big a sellout as Bob Dylan going electric or something. But at the same time, it, it really has come into the mainstream. And um, I, I think that you know, I think that I think that some poetry is willfully difficult you know if you don't like it don't read it. it would be my my you know unless you can see unless you can see some purpose to yourself for you know that you know for opening new doors by trying to read and learn uh, something difficult if if you're just you know consuming poetry in your in, in your life then you can't read the poems you like um I think a lot of modern modern work though, I think a lot of, rather than modern as now, but I think a lot of contemporary work, I think people would find find it very interesting, you know, it's not quite as, it's not quite as difficult or austere or, you know, form driven as it, as it used to be. I think a lot of poetry speaks very directly to people's contemporary experiences now. I, you know, recently, I, I, I kind of started out, I started writing originally and I moved very quickly. Towards performance poetry, and I did that really because I was very nervous when I read my own work. So I started by taking every opportunity I could to read poems in public because I was annoyed with myself about like being somehow ashamed of having tried to make some art, which is thought, thaw- you know, I thought it was a weird kind of, I don't know, some sort of post-colonial thing where we should be ashamed of ourselves. And so, like that, that led me to the performance poetry. And in fact, in lots of ways, as in I think that really improved my writing which pe- people might often say the the opposite you know that that maybe that the quality is less good in performance and that but basically i discovered that from performance poetry you have to be able to hold people's attention and you know so you'll quickly tell if there's a whole bunch of people sitting in front of you and they're all looking at their phones or thinking of their shopping list and something you know you needed an editor there you know and i think that 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 is is it's a great skill i think it would nearly do any poet good so you have to do it, you know, to have to learn off a few of their poems by heart. And to stand there, I think it would definitely help, you know, it helps me towards writing because I can see that when I'm writing isn't I can see that I need to be able to read something as well. And that seems to improve the poetry for me, you know, um, but it's, you know, they're not, they're not that different. I don't do so much of it anymore. I just find that one of the things I prefer for performance poetry, I'd prefer to have the poems learned off by heart. And I really just don't have the time to do that. with new poems because if you know you need to know them you need to know them like you know the hail mary or something you know just it just trips off your tongue I, i'm always nervous yeah i'm always nervous and i'm always um freezing for some reason i'm always freezing as it seems to be that's how my nerves are but the couple of times i've done something that i wasn't nervous for i was terrible um so i think maybe it's you know maybe it's a kind of an adrenaline thing and and that that's um you know, that maybe it's something useful because, like, really, why would you be nervous? Nobody's going to kill you or anything, they're just going to either like or not like your poem. But uh, it, it, it does, it does, yeah, it does, um, it makes me much more nervous than the thought of someone reading my work or, you know, a, a, a less, um, I suppose a less personal thing. it, it's, it's, it was a help as well in some ways, is in performance poetry is a help because you can write something on a page and publish it in a book without finding yourself closely associated with it because you can't stand there in front of people and say it and not have yourself uh, closely associated with it and I think for that reason it stops in a way it stops you losing the run of yourself a little bit because you kind of have to stand there and own it, you know, even if it's satire or whatever it is has been, uh, well a good bit of it has been poetry that's kind of in or around the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States because there was a lot of very exciting um, poetry uh, coming out, out of there but there's also you know very established poets that were responding to that environment over there so there was uh, Claudia Rankin is the best known one, she had a fabulous book an almost essay poems book um, called Citizen which I really loved because uh, she, calls it, um, she calls it Citizen, an American lyric and in fact, the, the form and the format of all of the poems is completely not in the style of a lyric poet. So she's doing something very deliberate by saying this is a lyric, basically because I said it is. And, uh, but you know, they're really, they're really, some of the poems are really stark, and um, but skilled, you know, hugely skilled. And there, there are a good few other people uh, like her, not quite like her, but there's a good few other people doing similar work. Um, so there's the performance poet Dana Smith who I really um, like his work, is well worth looking up and he does a lot with young writers of colour as well to, to promote their work um, the same thing in, in Britain there's a lot, I suppose we're so here in, in some ways we're so homogenous and we're so, you know, we're from the I suppose the Christian tradition and that, that in some ways it takes a while for influences to get here to us and you know, I know this all happened before you know, with Langston Hughes and Poets like that and a Miri Baraka, but you know, just this, this generation has something to say, and what's to be said is not all from, uh, I suppose, Caucasian, Western, English speaking traditions. And that's why it's really, I find it really helps me writing poetry to make sure that I read adventurous poetry outside of, you know, what's just available on my doorstep. It's not necessarily counseling or something, but it's the, I suppose, the trying to describe. A way of being human that is uncomfortable or not usual, or you know, er, er, emotional or upsetting. Trying to describe that, and obviously you can see it takes me almost a paragraph there to try and describe it. Whereas you can sometimes pass it from you to a reader in a poem by you know not trying to describe it, you describe something else, and they can catch the feeling from it. And I think that's when when it works, uh, when it's good, and it works well. That that's what you've done. You've managed to bypass something rational in a way and pass, you know, pass a feeling from one person to another I'm, you know, I'm not sure, I don't think the world is going to be changed really by a strongly worded poem but at the same time you know the things that you know the, the things that to kind of to be fully human is in, in some ways is to be involved in what's happening and to not write about it for me would be more strange than to write about it you know and also like I think that you know unless you're very precious about your work like you know, it it would, you know, if there's something that a poem of mine can help with, you know, or that I can write a poem to help with, I don't really care if someone calls it agitprop or thinks it's not really poetry or, you know, whatever what, whatever happens if, if it serves a purpose or if it can, you know, encapsulate a message that people are to take away from something or, you know, energise them or something, then brilliant, you know, brilliant you know, I, I suppose as in I wouldn't want to be sacrificed on the altar of pure art for any particular reason and 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 I think I know that's different for some people because some people think that they should be separate but like you know I actually don't think art is very often separate from politics at all as in you know I think that if you're in a turmoil you know say if you're living in a place that's in crisis say you're living through Ireland in a recession you're living through you know the Black Lives Matter movement you're living through if you're living through all of these things and not commenting on them you're doing something very political as well as in you kind of have the liberty of keeping some part of your life unaffected by those things and you know in some ways in some ways that's that's what's that's also political i mean just to go on a uh, even on a uh, low level i would say no it's not something it's not something that bothers me but i'd say that possibly a lot of you know proper poetry critics think my work is dreadful I'd say but uh, I mean it's not it's not um you know for me it's not as in like the, the the best most really good writers leave after them is a few really good poems and you know I don't know I don't know if I have done that or if I haven't done that but lots of people don't do it so if I'm not going to do it because they're political then not it's just the same you know greatness is only for a few people really so like um, i but i think i think as well as in like i'm very interested in like the art for personal change as well and i think that that's why you know that's why i like i love really good poetry i have absolutely nothing against it but that's why i think a lot of you know things like the performance poetry and that this, isn't the, this has been said over and over but they have the capacity to engage and bring people in to their own creative self-expression and if that's something that if that's something that's transferable if that's something that gives people a resource and a resilience within their life to be able to express themselves deepest you know we wouldn't want to discount it because it might not be pure art <laughs> There's some some old uh, dishrobe that always says if you ever find a group of poets in a room together, um, you'll find they're talking about money, (laughs) which is is really, really very uh, cynical in a way. But I think that, um, you know, for me, as in I work full time um, at the moment, and I'm lucky enough, but like I had managed to get myself into, uh, uh, I've managed to get myself into debt and everything, and I just really had to take a full time job. It doesn't, for me, it doesn't work because one of the things because of the performance poetry is in I'm in the really fortunate uh, position I've been asked to do a lot of gigs and events around the place and everything like that and it's so difficult to do a kind of a, uh, a super full-time job and then to clear your headspace and to you know to either write new work learn new work and so because of actually I, I kind of stopped doing it last year a bit and I just said okay no more for, for a while, because what I, I find you end up going out with the same old poems, not, not creating because you didn't have time to properly prepare. And so, like, you know, this is all, oh, God, poor me, like, none of it, it, it. It's very fortunate. But at the same time, you know, when someone invites you to your festival, you don't really want to show up and do, like, the greatest hits, or, you know, uh, you want to do something that rewards their effort in being there. And also something like that... Poetry, I, I suppose, to, for me anyway, at least the reason for poetry and what to do with poetry and what to write and where to use what you've written—that changes really very very quickly. So I write a lot of stuff that's responding to the very contemporary events, and so you know, for that reason, is in—it doesn't do to go out with old stuff, and so you know, it's it's, it's difficult. Like there are lots of. Um, you know, a lot of the festivals and that are very good now, they make sure to pay artists and things like that, and I think, I think that's really, really important, even for the smallest festival, in, in, to a certain extent, if you can't afford to pay the artists, you probably can't afford to put on the festival, and, and, you know, I think that's just worth doing, because, like, if we don't value, like, I suppose if we don't value art, we, we'll end up with it sidelined entirely, um, and so, so that's, it's not, but I haven't found a way to earn a living from it, Definitely. I've been living out in these parts for the last two years at this stage, um, which is not very long, but um, I worked, as, as a young person, I worked in South Galway all my life, so in, in some ways, you know, if I have if I have some place that I feel at home in or feel at ease in, it's out here, because, I mean, it's a really spectacular and uh, beautiful place, and um, I, I mean, the day we're recording today, the sky is blue, and I mean you can you can see for miles. You can see every rock on the hill of the burn. But like even in wintertime when it's squally, and it, it, it's just it's just a very very special place, um, and and it's really important to me. Is in a lot of my a lot of my poems, they they I suppose in order to have them land, you know, to have them have their feet on the ground, they often have a place in them. You know what I mean? And so in, in some ways, it's like it's quite often the place that they start from, you know, or if the poem is. You know, if the poem is losing the run of itself, it's a place that brings it back down to earth again. You know, so and and I think that a lot of those have tended to be out around these parts for me. You know, I walk I walk it an awful lot, and um, well, when 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 I have time, but uh, just it's just a it's a really kind of healing place for some reason. I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that. So. i had done various attempts before i wrote one that i was quite happy with it but just not quite and then i suddenly had an idea to change it at the last minute and once i changed it i immediately was happy with it because it was like i was saying um i kind of prefer if a poem is something that i can say genuinely and so that the the idea i had for the last change made it feel genuine but basically the the idea behind it because you had put me thinking about soundscapes i was thinking of those kind of all those eerie sounds that you know sounds that they, they kind of make you feel, they tend to be outdoor, but kind of make you feel small and, you know, isolated and remote. Sounds of almost wilderness sounds, so things like, that show up in the poem, so things like, you know, the whir of electricity wires. You know, if you're out somewhere and it's a gale force and there's the sound of wires, or wind whistling through a gate somewhere when you're frozen kind of kind of extreme things are like you know the sound of a bird across a wasteland all of those so i was gathering all of those into one poem because i find you know there are any sounds like that i think like you know i think something musicians know is that you know a sound can kind of transport you whereas those are the type of sounds that i think they immediately fill you up with some sort of loneliness but it's kind of a nice sort of loneliness you know if that's a if that's a, a, not a misnomer somehow but uh, and so that that's what I was using to write the poem, that, you know, sometimes, like, if, if um, you know, at times of great upset or at times of when, when things were not going well, that actually lonely, desolate places can be a great comfort, you know what I mean, because there's nothing jolly in them, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing annoying in them, that. so that's basically what the, the, what, what the poem transpired with, transpired from. So. <laughs> The sound of my poems is very important to me. As in, if they don't sound right, I think I'm not finished. And so, you know, as in, I kind of there's something I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's something kind of rhythmic or about pacing that that the poem is not quite complete if I can't do that with it. Sometimes I dispense with it all right if it's you know if it's for something that I want to have no structure. But like the the sound is very important to me, and um, I think for most people like things like you know they're really evocative sounds as we all know you know a radio playing far away is always one you know that it just i think it just is like instant nostalgia you know if you hear music from a radio in someone else's room or that kind of thing so so it is, it, it is definitely important Because they do think we we're letting them out <laughs> because actually if I just went down there it would whistle at
0: you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here they come. Yeah,
1: I won't let them out. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how it whistles, so that was only very mild. This is a poem recorded for Reverberations and it's by me, Sarah Clancy, and the name is No thank you, I wouldn't like to talk about it. It'd help better if you could fill me with a raw February dawn Or track down a blizzard to set coursing through me And if you offered me to some blasted open place at dusk And the uglier the better, well that'd help you could take me to a disused quarry with wind stabbing through its draughty buildings and leave me to it. I have no qualms, I'm asking you to do this. You could take me to a place with pylons and high-tension wires. Leave me, leave me, leave me to my own devices. Abandon me to the madness of the quarry noises and go on home without me. I'll be fine there. I'll be empty. And you did say you were interested in helping. Take me to the steps a tundra, a desert, so the gales can howl around us and we can nod at each other supportively because, of course, the human voice is futile in such vast and vacant wastelands. And I would rather if you put me on the bow of a sea-going vessel on a dirty day whose only promise is the monotony of brute and stubby waves and cold like nitrogen that I can sink into or put me on the night watch on my own, and let me at it, It be fine there, believe me. And if, despite everything, summer lands in and you're still disposed towards those talking cure solutions, then help me find the mystery, the chamal, or the sirocco, and let them have their way with my eyelids and the lining of my nostrils. Let them coat me in a muffling film of dust and disconnect me, and hopefully neither of us will need to say much of anything. And if your budget doesn't stretch to somewhere foreign, and I have to stay in this cloying place with its suffocating comfort, then you could take me very cheaply by my elbow up Abbey Hill, and stand me there, to listen to the discontented wind sweeping from the ocean in with its pointless cargo of sounds that might be music if someone cared enough to hear them. That's one way you could help me, but please, if you will, can you do it very quietly. And if after my inevitable nervous breakdown, I must be rescued and forced into an institution. Can you do one small thing for me while I'm stuck in those overheated rooms in my loose clothes, floating on an overdose of sedatives? Will you play me the sound of the call at night from the internet over and over and over and finally realise that no, it wouldn't help to talk about it.
0: This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Reverberations. Produced by Alan Meany. Episode 5. Sarah Clancy.